0: Hi, I'm Ollie Neal, and welcome to Staying Connected, part of the Equip Project podcast. In this 12-week series, we're thinking particularly of those having to self-isolate because of the coronavirus pandemic. We're aware that being stuck at home can be lonely and isolated. So we hope that this short podcast will remind isolated Christians of their unity as members of the body of Christ. In each podcast, we're gonna have a Bible reading, a short thought, a prayer and a final song. The first reading today is taken from Genesis chapter 3 and verses 6 to 9. We're breaking into the story of humanity's fall, when Adam and Eve were tempted to sin in the Garden of Eden. Verse 6 of chapter 3 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And for our New Testament reading, we're going to look at John chapter 19, verses 41 to 20, verse 1. And then we're going to jump ahead and look at verses 11 to 18 of chapter 20 as well. So verse 41 of John 19. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Jumping on down to to verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped down to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Thanks, Ollie. Uh,
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Jim Crooks. I serve as an elder and Bible teacher in the Crescent Church in Belfast. Uh, normally uh, Ollie and I run a weekly podcast called The Equip Project, but we're starting this new venture because all over the UK and in the Republic of Ireland, uh, churches are having to close their doors for a period of time. And a lot of uh, Christians, particularly older Christians, uh, are having to self-isolate. So for the next 12 weeks, we're running this series called Staying Connected. Before I entered full-time Christian ministry, I worked for over 20 years in business. and My job took me all over the world to the United States and Japan and India. And so, as you can imagine, I had to spend a lot of time hanging around airports. So I used to while away the hours by sitting in the arrivals lounge, watching people greet their friends and relatives as they came off the plane. The run-up to Christmas was always a great time to watch those sorts of reunions. Five-year-olds running as fast as their little legs would carry them to meet a grandfather, waiting with outstretched arms. A student whose mask of studied coolness slipped for a moment as she hugged her parents in delight. Separation can be hard. I remember one evening sitting in the back of one of those yellow cabs in New York and it was a freezing cold night. Rain was bouncing off the windows of the car. I'd been away for over two weeks and suddenly this huge wave of homesickness hit me. I just wanted to get home to my wife and uh, to my friends and get back to the familiar warmth of loving relationships. So separation can be hard. Of course, relationships can be separated by more than geographical distance. Maybe you had a fight with a close friend or you felt they had betrayed you in some way. You might still pass them in the street or sit in the same class, but instead of warmth and laughter, there's just cold politeness. It's even worse if a marriage relationship breaks down. Divorce can lead to years of bitterness and loneliness. Now, that rather unhappy context makes my subject for today all the more beautiful because I want to lead your thinking just for a few moments on the lovely subject of reconnecting with God. I don't quite know what comes into your mind when you hear that phrase, reconnecting with God. But the Bible presents it to us like the moment when we come home. It's a reunion, the restoration of a loving relationship that has been broken. It's possible that you thought my opening remarks about five-year-olds running into their grandpa's arms was a bit sentimental. But I painted that picture to make the point that reconnecting with God isn't some abstract legal procedure. Think for a moment about the struggles which so many people in this culture face in daily life. Behind the peer pressure, the fears over body image, the relentless drive to achieve success, there's often a deeper struggle. If you try to analyse what motivates someone to spend hours on social media, staring enviously at other people who seem to have happier and more successful lives than their own, you will often discern a more profound problem. There's a German philosopher called Martin Heidegger, and he once made an interesting observation about uh, modern life. Now, I really shouldn't quote Martin Heidegger because he was an upstanding Nazi. A very unpleasant man indeed. But he once said that people in this culture feel thrown into the world. It's as if we were just hurled into this life by some gigantic accident. So we can feel alienated from it. And that leaves us feeling a bit afraid and lonely. If there is no God, and we've all just ended up here because of random events in the past, then it's perhaps inevitable that we don't feel at home in our lives. So the Christian gospel comes as a huge relief to people who feel like that. The Bible begins by explaining to us that we are creatures. We aren't mere blobs of biology thrown up by mindless evolution. You have a creator. He designed you. He made you. He finds you valuable. And that gives you worth. Sometimes people who suffer from depression admit to me that they feel worthless. They wonder why they matter. The Bible has a beautiful and simple answer to that feeling. You are valuable because God finds you valuable. He made you, he loves you, and that gives you worth. However, a big problem has entered into the world. God made us to live in intimate, loving relationship with him. But the whole human race has chosen to walk out of that relationship. We've chosen to go our own way, to shut God out of our lives. You can summarize the entire human story by talking about the two gardens which Ollie read to us about. The whole thing started in the garden, didn't it? It is in the Garden of Eden where we hear that haunting cry, Adam, where art thou? In that sentence, we encounter the pain of unrequited love in the divine heart. Human beings sinned, and they ran away from God. When they heard his voice, Eve and her husband hid behind some bushes. Men and women have been running away ever since. The twilight of Eden became the dark night of the human soul. Mankind in his rebellion has been running away from God for millennia. And so god begins his great rescue plan a plan that comes to its dreadful climax when jesus the son of god dies on the cross and three days later we find ourselves once again in a garden the two gardens are very different aren't they eden was perfect bursting with fruitfulness and innocence but the garden of john 19 well it's a graveyard it's full of dead men's bones but it is a garden and the lord god is walking in it not this time in the twilight of eden but in the dawn of that first resurrection morning. Think about this moment in the light of God's grand plan to redeem us. Jesus had died and had been raised from the dead. But had God's plan worked? Had the whole plan of salvation been effective? Well, what do we see in this garden? We see the opposite of what we saw in the Garden of Eden. In Eden, we watched a woman run away from God, but here we see a woman running towards God. We're watching a joyful reunion the restoration of an intimate and close relationship. Mary Magdalene's past life had uh, incredibly dark and painful moments. She had lived a morally chaotic life, one dominated for a time by the occult. But the life of that unhappy, painful woman had been transformed when she encountered Christ. He had brought light and meaning and peace and hope into her life. But it looked as if the whole thing had been cruelly snatched from her by Jesus' death. The only true relationship she had ever known, the root from which her new life flourished, had been brutally severed. She felt alienated, lost once again in a world that no longer felt like home. But then she hears the gentle voice of the Saviour. Her relationship was restored. She could rest in the security of that relationship, put the roots of her life deep down into it. Now imagine if we had intercepted Mary on her way to the tomb and had said to her, Mary, it doesn't really matter if Jesus is alive. You have his teaching and his wonderful example. Go now and live your life by following those things. She would have brushed past us in disgust. And rightly so. She wanted to cling to a real living saviour, not an ethical code. I wonder if I'm talking to somebody just now and you feel a sort of deep loneliness. Like you've been thrown randomly into a world that doesn't feel like home. Well, why not turn around and face the saviour? Return to the warmth of a profound relationship with a living saviour. Stop running away and come home. Return to the life you were designed to live. In the security and warmth of that relationship, a relationship that can't be severed by anything, even death, you can find your home in this universe. No longer floating around like a random piece of biological slime, hardened and cold because of past hurt. You can come home, knowing that your creator, the one who made you, loves you deeply. I'm sure you noticed from our reading that the Lord Jesus called Mary by her name. Well, he will do the same for you. Listen for the voice of the one who called you by name. Jesus simply said Mary to Mary Magdalene. Maybe just now he says the name Rebecca or Hannah or David. I almost certainly got the name wrong because I do not know your name. But he does. I have no doubt that Mary Magdalene went through difficult times later on in her life but she knew that her risen saviour would never leave her. That relationship which was at the core of her being could never be damaged or destroyed, not even by death itself. And the victory won by Christ on the cross meant that in the ultimate sense, everything was going to be all right. In our first garden, the woman called Eve sinned, and that prompted her to do two things. She created a protective shield around her, made of fig leaves, because she felt a deep inner shame. And secondly, she hid from God behind some trees, because she felt guilty in his presence. Shame and guilt, those two emotions drive us further and further into a life that is isolated and alienated. But Mary Magdalene felt no shame, and she experienced no guilt. At first sight, that's surprising, because she was a much worse sinner than Eve. But Mary had been forgiven, and by encountering Christ, she had learned that God was trustworthy, so she could run toward him, run back into fellowship, Instead of hiding in shame and guilt, she stood there, fully known and truly loved. I want to close with a a little practical challenge. Um, If you've experienced the warmth and security that comes from your relationship with God, then you will feel a strong desire for all your relationships to be harmonious. So maybe we each need to take a couple of seconds and reflect on our relationships with our friends, our mums and dads, our siblings. Are some of them characterised by anger and coldness? I guess conflict is inevitable in any relationship, but it should be our ambition to put things right. It can take real courage to look someone in the eye and say quietly, I'm sorry. But an act like that can protect you from years of bitterness. I have seen families destroyed by little jealousies and competitive rivalries that were allowed to fester. So follow Christ's example and do your best to restore broken relationships. Sometimes your attempts may fail, You may end up with another bruise to nurse, but the Lord will be pleased that you tried. So we're done. Becoming a Christian is like coming home. Instead of feeling thrown into this world, you can stand in God's presence, free from shame and guilt, fully known and truly loved. In a society dominated by talk of self-isolation, it is a comfort to remember the one relationship that will never get disconnected.
0: Let's just close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father we thank you so much for the fact that you draw us into a relationship where we can be truly known and truly loved Lord thank you for the fact that in a society currently dominated by talk of self-isolation we can have the ultimate connection a connection with you Father thank you that this comes through your loving and precious Son the Lord Jesus Christ who we love so deeply because he first demonstrated his love to us Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reality of this relationship. I just want to pray in particular for those who are isolated at this time, who are at home, who are feeling lonely. I want to ask, Lord, that you might bless them, that you might be a comfort to them, that your presence might be with them and they might really know you at this time. They might understand more fully how precious it is to be connected to the one who is the King of the Universe. So, Father, we bring these things before you and we just lift up your name. And the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's
2: sing this together. There is a hope that burns within my heart that gives me strength.